Welcome into the Talk of Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News, joined by Travis Ryer, the senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. You can catch the Talk and Tide podcast wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. You can catch us live on Facebook and YouTube as well. Give us a follow on Twitter. Talking underscore Tide is the handle over there on Twitter. You'll get instant links to all of our podcasts right there as well. We want to thank a couple of sponsors really quickly. Peter Brook, Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa and DraftKings. More on uh, both of those later in the program. We recap the Sugar Bowl here on this Sunday nighter. Travis, I'm back from New Orleans. You've arrived in Tuscaloosa. Both of us doing uh, some traveling today. Uh, and the Crimson Tide takes care of business. 45-20 over Kansas State. The final score, a game uh, the KSU jumped out, Travis, to a 10-0 lead. Alabama kind of looked asleep at the wheel for much of the first quarter, uh, which we've seen some of this season. Uh, but they were able to turn it on and uh, really run away with this thing by mid-third quarter. Really did. That 35 to nothing run really changed things, I think it's safe to say, after falling behind and – you know, we talk so much about Deuce Vaughn from the Kansas State perspective, and there he goes, 88 yards out the gate uh, there in the first quarter. But give Alabama a lot of credit. That seemed to spark some urgency from the Crimson Tide, really in all three phases of the game. But that ensuing possession on the third and 10, and Bryce is able to hit Jameer Gibbs on that little crosser that Gibbs turns into a 60-yard pickup chase, that was – you already felt like that was a, a turning point situation in the game, even though it was the first quarter. And then to see Alabama close it out with authority like it did, because we've seen Alabama come back from deficits this season, go into the lead only to give it back up in the fourth quarter. Well, Alabama didn't give Kansas State that sort of opportunity this time around. No, they didn't. Bryce Young uh, almost certainly closed his college career with a big night, 15 of 21 for 321 yards, five touchdown passes for the junior. Uh, and we've received word just this evening that there's going to be a press conference tomorrow at 10 a.m. at which uh, at least a couple of uh, Alabama underclassmen will announce their draft intentions. We'll touch on that a little bit later in the program as well. But sticking with the Sugar Bowl, Travis, big night, obviously, for Bryce Young. Uh, a really big night for Brian Branch on the defensive side of the ball. Maybe his best game as an Alabama player. Has an interception, has a sack, had four TFLs. I think he ended up with 10 or 11 solo stops. Uh, really nice night for Brian Branch. And uh, like you said, you know, the, the early crossing route that broke loose to Jameer Gibbs was – Certainly a big one. Uh, and I think, you know, the real turning point for me too, Travis, was at the end of this laborious 18-play drive that Kansas State put together in the second quarter. Uh, it eats up 10 and a half minutes of game clock. Uh, it, looked like, it, looked like, uh, uh, it looked like a Gene Stallings drive or something. Uh, they get down to the Alabama two-yard line having converted two third and 11s and two fourth downs on this long, slow march, they come away with no points. They give Alabama back the ball on the crimson and uh, a minute to play roughly. 
and Bryce Young just goes zip, zip, zip down the field and uh, gives Alabama uh, a little bit of a comfort zone going into the half. And then coming out of the half, Alabama pops a couple quick, t- quick touchdowns off the failed onside kick, off the branch interception. And so if you look at if you look at the last minute of the first half and the first two minutes of the second half, uh, this game just completely flipped. Yeah, I mean, you even look at time of possession for the game based in large part because of that possession for Kansas State that you're talking about. That's really the difference. It's a 10-and-a-half-minute possession that Kansas State had on that drive. But, yeah, a sequence there that was undeniably huge to – to finally get that stop. And I think Nick was fine with going to the half there because field position was not great, even after taking over on downs. That's typically a situation with Nick Saban where even if he does have three, two, three timeouts, he'll take them to the half. Nick has no problem with that, and especially when he's getting the ball coming out to start the third quarter. But, you know, I thought it was the run game for Alabama that eventually got going, got stymied there in the first quarter, negative yards on the ground in the first quarter. Started to work more between the tackles, had some success with that split zone. And Jameer Gibbs hits that run for 22 yards, pushes Alabama out to around, what, the 25, 30-yard line? And now Nick's a little more decisive in the decision to to try to press on offense. And, um, you know, that was huge. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, that kind of played into just this – two or three possession type of scenario with Bryce Young that was, you know, that was, it summed up Bryce Young, some of the throws that we saw in that sequence. I think the best throw of the night for Young was the first touchdown pass of the second half coming off that onside kick. He hits Ja'Cory Brooks in the back corner of the end zone yeah. uh, with, no, with no space to spare. That was an absolutely phenomenal throw for sure. Uh, and, you know, at the beginning of that sequence, we were talking about with Kansas State kind of petering out at the end of that long drive. Alabama pretty fortunate, really, that, that they didn't pop seven points there and go ahead 17-14 because Vince Knott was open. Will Anderson had coverage on the tight end. He was flaring out to the side. Will Howard just just threw a bad ball, simple as that. But But Anderson slipped. The touchdown was right there for Kansas State. If that ball's on the money, that's seven points. So it's not like Alabama made a play on fourth down. They got pretty fortunate. Uh, but then, uh, you know, Young turns around with that ball on the two. They go for two yards on a run, uh, I guess, just trying to get a little bit of breathing room to get away from the goal line. And Kansas State actually called a timeout right there on second yeah. eight. Think you're going to get it back because you know you've done your homework on Nick Saban teams. This is where Nick runs it three times and punts it out of there, which is what he was trying to do. Yeah. But then Jameer hits the run, and that sort of changes the line of thinking. And, um, you know, I thought the onside kick to open the third quarter wreaked a little bit of desperation. I didn't mind it if you're Kansas State. What the hell, right? I mean – you're, you're not expected to win the game anyway. It didn't really come off as surprise. Um, and again, you, you know that film work is in play there. Kansas State had done its due diligence where that Arkansas onside kick was concerned a couple of months ago. But uh, give Roy Dell Williams a lot of credit, man. He stayed in there. So many times you see those middle guys on that front line leave early, right? Like what happened in the Arkansas game. And it opens up the middle of the field there for that sort of – onside kick but 
Roydell was alert and uh, made the play. And, and special teams in general were a positive for Alabama. A couple of things you worried about with Alabama. Turnover margin, because K-State was plus 14 coming in. Alabama was minus four. Special teams, because Alabama on multiple occasions this season has provided teams with opportunities to win games in large part because of deficiencies in the kicking game. And then penalties, you know, what, six for 40 for Alabama, something like that? I mean, right. five for 40, or it, it wasn't bad. There wasn't a huge discrepancy when you look at a K-State team that really takes care of business in terms of playing clean football typically. Made a big difference for sure. And as long as we're talking about special teams, tip of the cap probably goes to that Alabama kickoff unit. Uh, that did a really good job uh, holding down that Kansas State return game. Seemed like they made the stop uh, ahead of the 20-yard. And maybe a couple of decisions by Kansas State on returns weren't the best. Uh, but uh, Alabama got down there and made a stop on the kickoffs. You know, I think if you're some of these teams like Kansas State and you're playing in Alabama and you know that they've had a mass exodus or a pretty large exodus in terms of the transfer portal, Chase, do you think you go into a game like this thinking, well, either special teams guys have left. So maybe they've been weakened by the portal in their coverage and return units. But you're right, man. Five Kansas State kickoff returns for an average of 13 yards. And, um, you know, Kendrick Law on kickoff coverage, punt coverage, is a guy who commits a penalty a game. You just kind of got to live with it with Kendrick Law. But he makes about two or three tackles a game on special teams. Roydell had a nice tackle. Um, Christian Story, the reserve safety, who we actually did see on defense there in the second half, did some good things. So absolutely. And good to see Will Reichard too, right? Go out with a 49-yard field goal, his final kick, and he just drills one there in the uh, – second half or three and um yeah i would say from a special teams perspective about as complete as alabama's been all season yeah i think you're right about kansas state's approach on special teams if you're kansas state um you don't have that the, the raw talent that alabama does that's plain enough but you don't have to have raw talent to win in special teams i think yeah maybe they were a little bit more aggressive uh, with the return game, obviously with the onside kick. Um, they were looking to get an edge on special teams uh, in hopes that special teams would make a difference in this one. And it really didn't uh, because Bryce Young was uh, dominant with the passing game and, and they just they just kind of ran away with it. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think – and I also think the circumstances of the game. I mean, if, if Alabama sits on the ball on their own two-yard line – and just takes a 14-10 lead into the half, well, maybe Kansas State kicks it deep to open the second half. Yeah, I think that at that point, with the way the game was proceeding and understanding Bryce Young was about to have his hands on the football again, fully in rhythm after that 98-yard drive to close the first half, why not take a chance there? Because momentum was very much in Alabama's favor. And – had not Alabama already gone through this in the Arkansas game, perhaps it works out fine. But again, give some credit to sort of a veteran reserve special teamer in Roydell Williams for hanging in there and, and taking care of business. And, um, you know, from there, you kind of figured Alabama might take a shot, but you said it. I mean, the throw from, from Bryce to, uh, to Ja'Cory Brooks, that was that was against the 6'4 corner, too, and Julian Brents, who is a senior bowl invitee 
from Kansas State. It's only one is Julian Brents. And so this is a 6-4 corner. You have to put that ball right on that back pylon. And Bryce did it perfectly. And give Ja'Cory a lot of credit, too, because there was contact while the ball was in the air. He sort of adjusted to that and still made a heck of a catch on a perfect ball. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. I thought Alabama's pass protection was strong as well. You know, the pass pr- protection for Young this year, I think, has been outstanding. Uh, and that was one definitely of the been better. I, I would go that far for sure. Uh, they, they, it was the number one question on the team coming into the season. Everybody was wondering, is Tyler Steen going to be able to get it done at left tackle? They got a new starter at right tackle. Are they going to get it done there? And the offensive line was certainly responsible for uh, some of the penalty issues throughout the season. But Bryce Young uh, had a pretty good bit of time to throw. We've talked about this before. I think most of the time when Bryce Young scrambled, it wasn't because the pass rush was on him too quick. It was just because he was waiting uh, for uh, for people to to break open downfield for him. So uh, now the now the run blocking. Um, left a little bit to be desired at times, I think, this season. But the pass protection was strong at times. Uh, Young had all day, and and I thought they did a good job in this one, too. Yeah, the first touchdown pass I thought was a good example of that. I think it was a four-man rush from K-State and, you know, did a good job, allowed Bryce to sort of navigate a little bit, step up, and then he finds Isaiah Bond after considerable time there in the back of the end zone. So, I agree. I think it was much improved throughout the course of the season. Uh, In this game, I think you had one hold on Tyler Steen, um, but minimal. uh, You know, Bryce took a sack later in the game, which was smart because Alabama had a big lead. didn't need to try to force anything. But it wasn't the result of early pressure. You know, it was just there wasn't anybody open. It was more of a coverage sack. So I agree on the run game. I think K-State kind of like Alabama, was hypersensitive to the outside runs, the outside zones. They were not going to let Jameer Gibbs just sort of get to the corner, make one cut, and do his thing. But when Alabama adjusted, went more between the tackles, um, they were able to get it going. Tyler Booker had a big block uh, on the touchdown run by Jason McClellan. It's only touchdown run of the game for Alabama. And, um, you know, there was some good stuff in the run game. I think they rushed for like 180 yards over the final three quarters. Yeah, yeah, it was a solid game for for Gibbs, no doubt about it. Uh, we'll be talking about him uh, and a couple other guys who may be off to the NFL in just a few minutes. But first, uh, we are going to thank a couple of sponsors here on Talking Tide. We're going to start uh, by telling you about DraftKings, our corporate sponsor. Uh, and there is nothing more thrilling than college football and all that comes down with the national championship game happening on Monday. We're going to touch on that matchup between TCU and Georgia before we get out of here as well. Uh, but you want to do it with the DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on that national championship college football game and get $200 in free bets instantly, win or lose. Plus, you can combine multiple bets for a bigger payout with DraftKings Same Game Parlays. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. That's the Pigskin Podcast Network acronym. And new customers can bet $5 uh, to get those $200 in free bets instantly. Again, with promo code TPPN only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Got to tell you. 
I'm going to tell you about Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. Wow. Way to crank up the new year right there with those chocolate-covered strawberries, whether it's milk chocolate, dark chocolate, or white chocolate. They can take great care of you at Peterbrook Chocolatier. New year, new employment opportunities, too, there at Peterbrook Chocolatier in Tuscaloosa. You looking to make a fresh start on the job front? Check them out. Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa is hiring right now. You're not going to find a happier place to work, are you, than Peterbrook Chocolatier? Otherwise, continue to make it your destination of choice when it comes to all things chocolate, the champions of chocolate. Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Some uh, graphic miscues there. Apologies for that as we were uh, working our way through those uh, uh, ad reads for Peterbrook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa and DraftKings. All right, Travis, a couple of topics we're going to hit on before we get out of here. The NFL draft decisions by some Alabama players coming up tomorrow morning. Also going to touch quickly on the victories by Georgia and TCU in the CFP semifinals. But first... Uh, Will Anderson, Bryce Young, almost certainly Travis moving on to the NFL. We'll hear from them tomorrow. Uh, may hear for, from some more. As of now, we don't know how many players uh, are going to be taking the podium. One would assume Young and Anderson at a minimum. Uh, but Brian Branch, Jameer Gibbs, uh, you would think are, are the next two in line to have some big decisions to make as well. Yeah, it is the annual, how many chairs are on the stage? How many yeah. chairs are on the stage? <laughs> yeah. Day over at the Malmore Athletic Facility. It, it'll be interesting. I know a lot of the guys, I mean, it was all but said for Bryce and Will, I thought, uh, in some of the postgame stuff. And look, the ceremonial nature in which Bryce was removed from the game there in the fourth quarter, I thought that spoke to the to where he's headed next. And um yeah, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. I, I think for some other guys, obviously, a tougher decision. Uh, but as we talked about in the past, Chase, there was a time early on in Nick Saban's tenure at Alabama where it was pretty much, if you weren't going in the first round, his advice was going to be to come back to school. But I think what we're going to find out here in the next couple of days is that multiple guys without first-round grades are going to go ahead and make that jump. And some of that has to do with you know, some of these guys have been around already four years. They've got degrees. You know, they've taken care of business academically. The COVID year came into play with all, some of this stuff. So it's also a little bit different set of circumstances with this this group, too. Yeah, when you combine the frequency of mid-year enrollees who come in and get a jump and get a semester's worth of credits before they even get on the field as true freshmen, plus all the summer school that these guys go through, that those degrees turned out pretty good for some of these fourth years. Uh, young graduated in three years, just phenomenal. So uh, no doubt about it, uh, those are the guys we kind of expect to, to be moving on. From what I understand from talking to a scout or two, Travis, I think Brian Branch has got a really good chance to be uh, taken at the back end of the first round. Wow. Uh, I, think, I, th- I think he's a goner. At second round at worst, I would say, for Branch. Mm-hmm. And uh, where Gibbs is concerned, he's a second-day guy. I think, I think the second round is probably top end for Gibbs. 
Uh, but the third round is is low end. I don't think you're going to see Gibbs fall too far either. Uh, so those guys uh, uh, are in pretty good position for sure when it comes to uh, the NFL. Eli Ricks said after the game, after the Sugar Bowl, that he's got a decision to make as well, said it would be coming uh, pretty quickly. So we may be hearing from, from Eli Ricks as well. Um, obviously, his draft status is, is a little bit more of a question mark given that uh, he wasn't on the field the whole season, uh, but uh, he's got the the measurables. We talked about that, uh, that, uh, that the pro league likes a whole lot. So we'll see, like you said, how many chairs uh, are set up for these guys. 10 a.m. Monday morning uh, is when that press conference will take place. And it's possible, Travis, that we may see uh, Young and Anderson only with decisions on others pending. Uh, We've seen might- that too, yep. Yep, so – we have. And uh, look, you know, some of this is position related, positional value related. If you're Jameer Gibbs and you're getting a early second or a second round grade or, a, uh, you know, a, 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 a sort of a evaluation that lines up with the high end of your position, you, you probably go ahead and make that jump. And then there's some guys like Eli Ricks. Eli Ricks is who he is. He's long. Um, he's sticky. If you play more of a man scheme, maybe even press, he's going to be schematic dependent. I think wherever he ends up, I don't think you're going to see Eli Ricks in a, in a, maybe a defense that is zone oriented, but if you just want someone that you can put out there early in some man to man situations and sort of live with as he goes through some growing pains, uh, then Eli Ricks could be the guy for you. All right, the college football playoff, our final topic on the podcast here tonight, Travis. Uh, not a good day for the Big Ten Conference in the CFP for sure. <laughs> uh, Georgia takes care of business against Ohio State, 42-41, an absolute thriller of a game. They were both uh, Great outstanding games. games. Yeah, uh, and TCU takes care of business, 51-45 over Michigan. I was in the lobby of the Sheridan in New Orleans uh, – at the very moment when TCU clinched that win over Michigan with that uh, targeting review uh, that, that kind of took Michigan's last breath away. And uh, I, I was surprised, but uh, the lobby uh, just roared uh, Kansas State fans cheering on TCU. They loved it. Big 12 pride, Travis, uh, alive and well at the Sheridan New Orleans when uh, when TCU clinch that victory over the Wolverines. And, I mean, if you're the Big Ten, you can't complain at all. You had two teams in the college football playoff. Um, They they made it about as easy as you thought they could have for Michigan. But, man, there's a lot to this TCU team as well. Now, I'm not going to go as far as to say I like them against Georgia in the national championship game coming up. But two great games. You're absolutely right. Both games delivered. Um Ohio State is is gonna feel that one in Atlanta, I think, for some time to come. It, I think, it was a thirty-five twenty-four game there, maybe in the late third, and they were down inside the twenty or the ten for Georgia. They get in there, it's forty-two twenty-four. Uh, they have to settle for the field goal, and at thirty-eight twenty-four, even with a two touchdown lead, I just sort of felt like, eh, may have left that door a little bit too much ajar, and then. Ohio State struggles in the secondary uh, showed up in full down the stretch of that game. I felt bad for the Ohio State kicker in a way, but 
Also, I thought Ryan Day and the Ohio State offensive staff, you, you can't put it on a, on a kicker from 50 yards in that situation. That's a tough spot. But I, I say this for Ohio State. They accounted for themselves well, especially after that performance against Michigan to end the regular season. Yeah, they had a two-touchdown lead early, too, 21-7. And uh, McIntosh, who had uh, broke off some big runs for Georgia, uh, kind of helped bring them back. And uh, next thing you know, the dogs were back in it. Then it's then it's back and forth. And, uh, yeah, just a, a phenomenal tilt uh, over there in that Peach Bowl. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Travis and I will be uh, reconvening with – uh, with our listeners and viewers uh, here in another week or so as Alabama takes on Ole Miss and Basketball Tuesday and Saturday, Travis, they get those Kentucky Wildcats. Oscar Seabway. Yes. 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 yes, and Cal coming to town. Oscar gave Alabama some problems last year. Oscar will put a double-double on you in a hurry, but, man, that's been a pretty dysfunctional team on the floor anyway with Severe Wheeler and Seabway and uh, Toppin. And the rest of that crew. Cal is, I don't know, is Cal, is he, uh, is he fireproof up there? Hey, gosh, I, they just gave him what they didn't, they give him what they called a lifetime. Yes. Contract? Yeah. Well, we're about to find out how much longer Cal has to live. Maybe. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. Maybe so. We've seen though, we've seen some Kentucky teams that look dysfunctional early and then by yeah. March they've come together. Yeah, so. sometimes it's better it seems like for Kentucky to be this way, right? By the time March rolls around because we've seen them go the regular season and just sort of take care of business and then you know lose to a St. Peter's in the opening round like last uh last March. No doubt about it. All right, Travis and I will be back next Sunday night to be recapping that Alabama-Kentucky game. For Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodbread of the Tuscaloosa News and Crimson Cover Television. We'll talk to you next weekend right here on Talking Tide.